What's up, Llama listeners? Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I got to tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion rubs. I absolutely put them on everything, and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com and Blazing Star Barbecue on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. What's up, Llama listeners? Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I got to tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion rubs. I absolutely put them on everything and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com and Blazing Star Barbecue on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. The Llama Lounge is a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership, a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. This is Joe Bogdan, and many of you know one of the greatest joys that come from hosting this podcast is meeting people smarter than me and to learn from them. So I am super excited to finally have this amazing guest in the lounge with me today, Dr. Tanisha Wards. Dr. Wards is the founder of Infinity Wellness Center in Austin, Texas, and the Infinity Way Online Functional Medicine Program. She specializes specializes in finding and correcting the core root cause of conditions like fatigue, chronic pain, and other medical mysteries. And you know what? Fatigue and chronic pain are common things amongst the military community. So I think uh, this is going to be a great conversation. Welcome to the lounge, Dr. Wards. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I know we both had some scheduling changes, so it is like the world's finally collided. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For our audience, I think this might be attempt five or six, and we finally <laughs> got together. Uh, yeah, it, here. It, yes, absolutely. So yeah, I've been really excited about this. And when we first got connected, I was like, hey, man, this is a conversation I can't wait to have. And it just kept on getting pushed down. But yeah, we're here now. Love it. Yeah. So the first question that we often like to ask in this new season of our program is, um, you know, what is the best thing that happened to you so far this week? Oh, that's a great question. 
you know what? It just happened in this, maybe something better has happened, but this just happened. Um, I just finished my day with my patients and we had a patient who has Lyme disease and is Mm. wheelchair bound and was very skeptical of more of a functional medicine, holistic approach to the point um, where she's given me so much pushback that I almost fired her as a patient. And I hate firing patients. Like you don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it, it came to the point where, Hey, if you're not going to do what I'm asking you to do, like, don't like, why are you here kind of thing? And Mm -hmm. I've been working with her for six months today and we do a reevaluation on six months and we look at her symptoms and things like fatigue and pain that were nines and tens are like three and fours. And, her husband and I had a moment where he got choked up and came over and hugged me for not giving mm. up on her. And we kind of cried together. And, you know, that happens a couple times a year, maybe. And it just, it, it's a really good reminder of why we do this. You know, you can get caught in the day to day and you can get frustrated and I'm running a business and there's employees and all this stuff. And it just, it was one of those centering moments of like, okay, God, I'm in the right place at the right time. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing it's definitely the story. best thing that's, and, and it's the end of our day. We don't see patients on or the end of our week. We don't see patients on Friday. So it was like a perfect beginning to the weekend. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just a great story. I love it. And, you know, I just, I, I got a question though, like, cause you know, you're dealing with patients is much like in leadership, you're dealing with um, your subordinates trying to, you know, guide them the right way. And sometimes similar, right. They just don't want to listen for whatever reason. Uh, how, how do you get past that? Like that feeling of like, okay, if you're not going to listen, I'm just not going to even talk to you anymore. You know, like, how do you get past that? It's hard. Um, I don't treat family anymore. Somebody else in the clinic treats them because, you know, we've had some arguments <laughs> about that. Um, so it's a little easier with, um, you know, patients that aren't family, but it, it's hard. It, it definitely came to a point where, you know, I asked her to go off some simple food things that I knew w- were issues for her, like gluten and dairy. We found through testing that her body can't process those. And she mm. just fought me. And, and it, like, I really gave her an ultimatum of saying, Hey, if you can't follow the regimen, like I can't guarantee results and I can't ethically keep taking your money as a patient and, and walking this path with you. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a little bit more pushback. And I told myself, this is months ago, that when she, if she comes back and she's still not doing it, I'm going to have to just let her go as a patient because this isn't why we do it, but have a really good reputation of helping mm-hmm. people with these ailments because they do what we ask them to do and follow the process. Right. So I also don't want to, you know, fail when I know I don't have to, if, mm-hmm. if, you know, it could be avoided. And, and, and second, it's just not ethical to, okay, keep seeing me every two weeks, but not, you're not doing the things. And that just, I mean, at some point you got to call it. And so anyway, I'm really, really grateful. She trusted me and I trusted her. And, but she gave me the whole, I'm in my body. I'm, you know, in my sixties, I've been in the medical realm with MS for 40 years now, surely going off these inflammatory foods that are inflammatory inflammatory to her aren't going to help my pain levels. And she just fought me with it. And I just, finally, I said, you got to trust me or not Mm kind of thing. And we had a, we had to come to Jesus a couple months ago and I'm glad we worked through it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. And I'm sure she's extremely happy now, but yes. Yeah. So before we get into some deeper conversations, um, we always ask that our guests share their story because we often, you know, we find that we can glean a lot of wisdom from the experiences of others. So can you please tell us how did Tanisha Wards become the woman she is today? <laughs> Such a good story, good and bad, right? So I mentioned this patient had Lyme disease and she's wheelchair bound. Um, that is how my story started. I was not wheelchair bound, but I woke up one day at 15, unable to really bend any of my joints, um, mm-hmm. Um, and fatigue 
debilitating fatigue. It hurts to lift my head. And the joint stiffness was excruciating. It, it was stiff. I had to run my hands underwater to literally get them to bend. But also it felt like shards of glass scraping from the inside out is the best way I could describe it. And long story short, our family spent the next year going from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what was wrong. And and we we were getting slapped with diagnoses that weren't right. First, they said I had MS. First, then they said it was lupus and they said it was rheumatoid arthritis and all of these tests would just come back negative. Finally, it was a like-minded doctor that practices holistic medicine that said, I think she could have Lyme disease. We got tested, we got the right treatment. And really that was the path I knew I wanted to, to go on. That's the first time I knew I wanted to do this. The second time after having my daughter, I had what I thought was a Lyme flare up or a crash and, and that you know, 20 years later, I was, I thought, oh my gosh, it's back or it's, it was dormant. Now it's back to find out I had an autoimmune thyroid issue and Epstein-Barr virus and just knew that I was, I had a new baby. I was older running a practice, multiple practitioners working underneath me in a very much in a leadership position, but I was building a new clinic at the time. And I knew the stress was just too high and I burned myself out. Mm. So a big focus in my practice now is burnout and adrenal fatigue and how to avoid that as well as Lyme disease and chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia type stuff. Mm. So this is probably going to be the first dumb question. I know <laughs> Lyme disease um, I, I, I know that it comes from ticks, right? Yes. What, is there other ways you can get that? So the CDC recognizes ticks. Um, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a bacteria mm-hmm. called Borrelia, Borrelia burgdorferi named after a doctor that mm-hmm. is transmitted through ticks, through tick mm-hmm. bites. Mm-hmm. We believe people that, that know Lyme, they're called Lyme literate doctors, people that understand Lyme disease We also believe it can come through mosquitoes and spiders Mm. that has not been accepted or proven through the CDC. There's also questions. Can it be sexually transmitted? We don't know Mm. that to be proven. Also, we do know that it can pass through the placenta. Mm. So when I was pregnant, I worked with a doctor who's very much um, versed in fertility and Lyme and did a lot of preventative things that I've now been able to walk my patients through to not transmit it through the placenta. But so there are other ways, but it's mostly known to be a tick born illness, they call it. Mm. Is it something that, you know, goes away that you're healed from, or is it something that sticks with you forever and it could flare up every now and then? Both. So Mm. it's thought that if you catch it early, you Mm. can eradicate it from your body Mm. within some people say six weeks, some people say six months, some doctors say a year. I found that if it goes longer than six months, it becomes a chronic condition Mm. where it may always be in your body. But what's happened if you work with the right doctor is possibly your immune system has been built up and it's made it go dormant and we're just not dealing with it anymore. Kind of like cold sores, right? You hear people say, if I get sick, I get a cold sore outbreak. If I get a cold, if I'm stressed, that's what we found that most Lyme patients live in that space that have had it a long time because it is hard to diagnose and people think it's everything else. They call it the great mimicker because it, it's joint pain, it's fatigue, it can be brain fog, it can affect sleep, people have seizures, like it's a really, it's kind of a practitioner's nightmare to pinpoint, but it can go undiagnosed because of that for a very long time. So a lot of people do deal with it lifelong. I have not had symptoms in almost 25 years. And at the same time, I've run my blood and I still have it. I still have an infection in there. It's still showing up in my labs. Wow. Wow. I just don't live with it day to day. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like I went long enough without treatment that it, we call it a stealth pathogen because, and this might be getting a little too scientific in it, but it's a spirochy, meaning a spiral type 
bacteria and it can spiral and burrow and hide in organs, ligaments, joints, and it can hide and get out of the bloodstream. So that's how it survives through treatments. Uh, that is just terrifying. All right. <laughs> it really is. Speaking <laughs> yeah. from somebody in the military is even right. afraid of it. It really is. It's, I think it's an epidemic that we're missing as a country um, because it, it is so hard to diagnose that we don't realize how bad and how prevalent and how sick people are from it. Yeah, I think for us in the military, a lot of us um, will end up going to places where we're in the field for long periods of time. Um, I know when I was in Jersey uh, and out in the field training before my last deployment, ticks were like in my mind because I've just heard horrific stories about, you know, people getting Lyme disease and how how you're just debilitated for so long. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I just kept on looking at my body, like making sure I didn't have anything on me. You know, the East Coast is where it originated, Lyme, Connecticut, where the first cases of Lyme disease, what happened in the um, early 80s is mm. neighborhoods of these kids were getting sick and, mm. and they kept saying, oh, it's, it's idiopathic, which means we don't know what caused it, mm. juvenile arthritis. And these kids, but, but the weird thing is they had fevers, they had rashes, they were all very, very sick, like neighborhoods of kids were getting sick in Lyme, Connecticut, and that's where it was first discovered and, and named. Wow. So yeah. you, you weren't wrong thinking that up in Jersey. It is right. it is prevalent over there in the East Coast. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So everybody just make sure you check yourself out when you're out there in the East yeah, Coast. Yeah. Prevention but... is the best thing, right? right? Things like wearing light clothing and tucking your socks. And if you're mm -hmm. in high grass, you know, make sure your ankles aren't exposed, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, you know, we talk about functional medicine. Um, can, can you help, like, just kind of clear up what is functional medicine? Because, you know, I, th I feel like it becomes like this term, like functional fitness and all these other things that become yeah. a buzzword and like everybody, nobody really fully comprehends what it is and they start judging it immediately. So can you explain that a little bit? Yes. And I would say 10 years ago, it's it was called holistic medicine, right? Mm. Or 15 years ago, alternative medicine. Functional medicine really is defined as we're trying to get the body to function at its most optimal. Mm -hmm. And here's a really good example of, of how that works. The lab gives you a range from here to here, right? If it's out of this lab range, it's a disease. It's, it's a pathological range, which is a synonym for disease. In functional medicine, we're looking at a much tighter range. We are addressing low normals and high normals that might barely be in range if the person has all the symptoms. Give it three or six more months, it's probably without any intervention, it's going to be in a pathological range. So we want to get the body functioning at its most optimal in the functional range as well as and I should say really doing that by fixing the problem. So we're doing it without the use of drugs and surgery. We're not just masking these symptoms. We're actually going in and trying to find the core root cause of what's causing the imbalance in those labs and then fixing that, eradicating it versus covering it up or, you know, ignoring it or numbing the body of those symptoms. We look in functional medicine as symptoms are a good thing. It's, a warning for us to say, lift the hood. Let's run some diagnostics. What's going on? Why is the car breaking down? It's telling us something. Let's not numb it. Let's not take out the organ. If it of course doesn't need to be taken out for life or death, but let's figure out what's the problem. Is it an underlying infection? Is it autoimmunity? And that's probably the biggest difference of functional medicine is the way we look at labs and the process of uncovering the core root problem and fixing it. Mm, yeah. I, I think that's great because I feel like 
in the military, also outside the military, it seems, it seems like the country in general, we just over-medicate. Like we're just constantly just putting medicine on stuff. And I know in the military, we, we always joke about vitamin M. Like you always get, you know, prescribed Motrin for everything. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you. <laughs> so, I hadn't heard that. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Not really, but yeah. unfortunate, but I had not heard that. So we were in Austin, Texas, about an hour from Colleen, where there's, mm-hmm. um, gosh, is it army? And then San yeah. Antonio mm-hmm. has an air force base yeah, Blackland. And, we, mm-hmm. and we've had patients come from both because mm-hmm. exactly that, um, you know, I've been through all, I've been through the military hospitals. All they're giving me is pain meds. I know something's mm-hmm. actually wrong. And then they, you know, unfortunately have to pay out of pocket because we're not in the military system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that you're right. They're mm-hmm. just like, Hey, they're just numbing it and getting me back to work, which mm-hmm. isn't that much different than going to most of your general practitioners outside of the military also. Right. Yeah. And it's not like to me, it's not a hit. I think it's just general, right? Like what you said, I think everybody's kind of doing that out there and it's become a norm, like put some medicine on it until it feels better. And uh, me, it took a while before I realized I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And I stopped as much as I could, unless I absolutely had to take something for yes. pain or something, I, I stopped doing that. And I started feeling better, <laughs> you know, like just exercising, eating better and not taking so much medicine just because my back hurts in the morning has been just impactful. It's that simple and that complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to make those changes. And that's mm-hmm. when we work with, with patients. I mean, those are the things we look at all aspects of their life. What are they eating? What are they thinking? Who are they hanging around with? You know, what is their exercise level? All of those things absolutely matter. And, you know, we look at food as medicine and exercise as medicine. All of that really, really matters. Or you can cover it up. You know, mm-hmm. those are the options. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think like, so a lot of the traditional medicine is still doing these things. And I, and I'm just going to share a story. Like, so I was, um, I think we always grew up thinking, okay, you're never supposed to put your knees over your toes when you're doing exercises and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and then I've been watching this guy, knees over toes guy on YouTube, and he's been showing all these strengths. And, and he talked about like, you know, how you can strengthen your knee and do all these things. But, um, Mm -hmm. but, but he also talked about how like some of the textbooks are just not catching up to new science and new, you know, ways of doing things. Do you think that's common across all of medicine? Like, it's just like the textbooks are still old and that's why I prescribe, because I think most doctors want to do the best for their patients, right? They're just maybe prescribing old school methods. Definitely. That is a factor. I have heard a couple patients say that they prefer younger doctors these days because they're Mm. keeping up with more newer science and technology. A lot of them get stuck in their ways of, well, I've always prescribed X for this, Mm -hmm. you know, and they don't, they don't necessarily keep up with it. And I do think, um, unfortunately, unfortunately through the whole COVID situation that a lot of people are not accepting that anymore. Mm-hmm. as patients. They're saying, hey, I don't want you to just cover it up. I don't want the same, you know, antibiotic I've had 13 times that isn't helping my ear infection. Like, give mm-hmm. me more. What the heck's causing this? So I do feel like there's a shift in the general public of wanting more from their practitioners, which is forcing a lot of MDs to step out of regular clinic. And they're they're investigating and turning into more functional medicine practices because they know there's more out there too. The human body hasn't changed, right? We've been the same since whatever you believe, evolution, creation, right? We've been the same technology in the world around us and everything else has changed. You know, if you 
we could go down a total another rabbit hole of like biohacking things, right? Mm -hmm. Like infrared saunas and IV therapy of vitamins and all of these things absolutely are changing. And a lot of doctors that just aren't really keeping up with the latest technology and science are kind of like, oh, I don't know, you could do that, but I don't know that does anything. And we're like, look at all the science here. It does everything that we need it to do. So I, I do think so, but I also see a paradigm shift that a lot of practitioners are wanting to keep up with that because their patients are, are hearing about it on things like Instagram and TikTok and influencers and all these people that are doing all these biohacks. Mm-hmm. They want to know about it. They go to their doctor and their doctors are like, Ooh, I don't know. So they're, they're being forced a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great thing. You know, of course there's always some risk that comes with that. Like someone listened to somebody that might, you know, they start diagnosing themselves and doing some interesting things, of course. Right. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Dr. Google, we always right. say you heard that on Dr. Google. Okay. Let's really break this down, but yes, but, but all that information and knowledge out there, I think is forcing us to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I agree. And you know, I think that um, I, I heard I heard on a previous interview that you did with another group of people that they, they were talking about, uh, like a lot of times, you know, doctors, they get specialized. So they're, they're looking at this one thing. And you had said something. Well, if you're looking for that one thing, you're probably going to find it. Right. And, <laughs> and, and and I think that's so true because and that's why I think, you know, whether you call it functional or holistic, it's important to look at the whole thing, because I don't know how many times I've had like a, a subordinate or even a peer go to the doctor and um and they, and they tell them, well, I think it's this. And, and then they just go down that rabbit hole and they go through all these things. And it's like, well, you really didn't probably look at the whole thing of what's going on here. And you just assumed it was just because it might have been something you saw before. And, uh, and it's just a waste of time constantly. And it's stressful yeah. for the patient to go through that. Yes, I know exactly the conversation you're talking about. I also said in that conversation, the more specialized a practitioner gets, I think the dumber they get because they Mm -hmm. are missing, Mm -hmm. like you said, looking, taking a step back and looking at the whole body. Mm -hmm. That's not all cases, right? But it can be, they can definitely miss things. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in that same conversation, you, you, you made a comment that we're living in a toxic world. So I was wondering, can you explain what you meant by that and how do we survive in this world? Yes, I've said this a a few times, we're creating or have created a world that we can hardly survive in. And I'm talking, you know, chemical toxicities, food dyes, pesticides, things that our bodies aren't made to process and detox. And this is the world we're living in now, right? Just sitting on the highway here in Austin, Texas, we're breathing in all kinds of chemicals. And our bodies, our livers are having to work harder than ever before than than we had to live in the wilderness kind of thing where the air is fresh and there's no chemicals. So we, we've created this world that's essentially killing us with chemicals and toxins and environmental toxins. And it's hard to navigate, you know, mm. kind of like changing the oil filter in your car every so often. We need to do liver cleanses to keep up with all this stuff we're being exposed to. Mm. And then we dig a little deeper that some people have genetic defects Um, a big one is the MTHFR gene, which is your methylation pathway, which leads into your detox pathway that some people are born with these defects and they're behind the curve of, Mm -hmm. of being able to detox this stuff. And that's making them sick. We found some of the simplest things have made people so sick. I had a patient not too long ago. She's a hairdresser. So there's a lot of chemicals right in and on her body. And as we dove deeper into her um, history, she grew up on a farm. She's probably close to my age, late 30s. And they would, I'm in my 40s, but 
close, um, they would run outside when the airplanes came to spray the crops and dance in mm. the chemicals, oh. you know, 15, 20 years ago in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, like they didn't know. I mean, maybe it's longer than that. They didn't know how toxic that is now. Right. Mm. That was, you know, before we, we know a lot about toxic pesticides and, and eating organics. So we ran some tests on her because she's having all these neurological problems and seizures and um, tingling and numbness. And sure enough, her levels for glycophosphates were off the charts. These are the things that are being sprayed and her different dyes and things that she's been exposed to are off the charts and, and it's affecting her nervous system. These toxins, mm. our body, if the liver can't get rid of them, them quickly they settle on nerves and joints and muscles and and that's what i mean by the world we're, we've created is killing us yeah it is tough because i was living um i've been overseas quite a bit because you know just being in the military and i remember going to germany or even being here in korea and eating even fast food like eating fast food downtown um it, it might be mcdonald's but it tastes different than the stuff in the States. So when I, I remember uh, I was in Germany for a while, going to whatever, eating it and it felt fine. But it's, I, I found out that it's because some of the chemicals we use in food in the States is completely outlawed when you're overseas. Yes. So then yes. I go back to uh, Alabama or something for some training and I just, oh man, Chick-fil-A, I haven't had that in a while. So I go get some Chick-fil-A and my stomach is just destroyed for like a week. I was just in so much pain because I have not eaten these things in so long. And I didn't realize, you know, and, and a lot of times it's, you don't know until you, you, you try it. Right. So, um, for instance, here out in, in Korea, we have a problem with yellow dust. It's a lot of mm. chemicals and um, uh, particulate matter that's coming. And some people say it's coming from China. You know, I heard every rumor, but it's very clear it's out there. So I'm mm. running, jogging and all that stuff because I'm a big runner. I get back to the States and it was almost like I was training in altitude. When I got to uh, mm. uh, Max uh, to Alabama and some clean air, I, I, I PR'd my 10K because I just felt like it was clean air. But yeah, it's just interesting, <laughs> right? It's just interesting how we kind of learn how to adapt to sit in these things. And we don't realize that it's literally killing us, like you say. I have a couple really great examples of that. I had a patient who lived in Poland, grew up in Poland, and he would tell me about times where they would put, you know, on the news or they put the sirens out that they can't leave their house because the air is so toxic. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen the reverse of that. I've seen patients. So University of Texas is here in Austin and we have a lot of you know, students that come from all over the world to go to the University of Texas. The opposite of that is specifically um, people from India come to college at U UT, you know, they've, they've, they grew, they grew up on a vegetarian diet, maybe rice and, you know, vegetables and different things. And they come to UT and they start eating out of the cafeteria, mm. or even if they're trying to stick to more traditional Indian cuisine and they eat out at some of the faster food, you know, fast dining Indian restaurants that are near campus and they get all kinds of GI issues, mm -hmm. you know, leaky gut syndrome, ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome within like a year of being a student here. Mm -hmm. And we're like, it, I could probably name five patients that this has happened to in the last couple of years moving here from another country. And then we start digging into it and well, yeah, they're eating, you know, pizza and cheeseburgers in the cafeteria and their mm -hmm. poor bodies are used to eating vegetables that are probably harvested and cooked and eaten within a day or two where they're, right. where they're from. And yeah, their body's freaking out from these chemicals and they don't know what to do.
like their body can't process it. Their liver is congested. They feel sick. They have skin acne rashes because the body's trying to push it through the skin, the toxins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it, no, we've got it wrong here in the United States. It absolutely makes me want to move to a des- deserted island almost daily <laughs> <laughs> and grow my own food. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's important. Like growing your own food, figuring out a way to do that because yeah, you don't know really what the process that you know, the food that we're eating is going through. And I know um, for me being, because um, you shared that story about the Indian students, me being an Asian background, rice is huge in, you know, our diets typically and um, noodles and all that. And so eventually, I think maybe in the last five years, I started trying to be more healthy. So I eat more uh, proteins and veggies and I try to stay away from um, some, a lot of rice and all those things. And I just started doing that. I started feeling better and even my breathing got better you know like just because i used to have like some respiratory issues and and i was like man and then it's like a flare-up if i start eating a bunch of noodles and rice and stuff again so something is going on with me i haven't got tested for that exactly but i noticed i just feel healthier when i stay away from certain processed foods Mm -hmm. yeah and i wonder you know what the processes of the rice and the noodles Mm -hmm. that you're eating are right what's Mm -hmm. added to it things like that now yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. This is, it's, it's just, some of mine is just like work, working through things and <laughs> seeing what things you work. And I know like mm-hmm. jur- journaling, like when did I feel good? Like when I was mm-hmm. eating this type of stuff or not, you know, and uh, taking pictures of the way I looked at certain times. I'm like, all right, if I like, like the way I looked at that time and felt at that time, what was I doing at that time? That's so, a great, I- that's a great idea to look back. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, trying to survive in these, um, <laughs> this toxic environment. Um, you had mentioned in some other discussions like cleansing and fasting. Now, I think those are terms that we hear. Now, something that works for me, I do, uh, I guess, it's more of the like time restricted eating. I, I don't eat, I have mm-hmm. an eight hour window where I eat and I feel the healthiest I've ever been, been doing that for about three, four years. But, um, but what is, in your terms, cleansing and fasting? How does that work? And because some people probably heard cleanse and then they just, assume certain things and try to Mm -hmm. drink a bunch of vinegar or something. I don't know what kind of things people might think to do. Well, that is a possibility, right? So, so that's a tricky question because there's, there's a wide range of cleanses. Mm. You could do a juice fast for seven days. You could do the master cleanse for seven days, which is like Mm. lemon, cayenne, maple syrup, water kind of thing, and no food. I find that for my patients, most of those, even a seven day or a three day juice cleanse is probably a little too intense. Mm. They're coming in usually with chronic fatigue syndrome, joint pain, GI issues, which some people might say, well, fast would be great. Maybe if your adrenal glands, the glands that pump out adrenaline and cortisol, if they're exhausted, Mm -hmm. not feeding them every couple hours is going to actually dysregulate blood sugar. You're going to feel worse. You're going to stress out your body. So I very, very much take cleanses patient by patient, Mm -hmm. but probably my favorite cleanse that I think most people can handle is a 21 day cleanse by a company called standard process. And you take um, a good amount of fiber. You take some greens powder and a powder that has a lot of things um, like cruciferous vegetables in it that just kind of really detox a little and replenish at the same time. But the diet with it is very much kind of like a whole 30 mm. um, paleo kind of situation, all organic. Mm. That's the thing you want to do organic. We're not trying to cleanse and put toxins and chemicals and pesticides back in fruits, vegetables for the first 10 days only. So it's a 21 day cleanse. So the first 10 days is just 
fruits and vegetables, raw, cooked, doesn't matter, smoothies, we're doing this powder. So really just kind of cleansing and replenishing the body. And it's gentle enough that most people can do it, mm-hmm. right? Versus fasting where you might have blood sugar issues. Then day 11, you can add in very light, easy to, easier to digest meat, like chicken, fish, and turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're eating vegetables, chicken, fish, and turkey. Now, some people are like, well, yeah, I eat like that all the time. It's paleo or whatever. For the for the most for most people, cutting out things like refined sugar, caffeine, alcohol, mm-hmm. carbs, bread, rice, pasta, all of it, all of that stuff is cut out. That alone sometimes takes care of 60 to 70% of their symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty gentle cleanse. In fact, we do it twice a year with a group. We do it in January and we just launched it Tuesday, two days ago in June. And we take 30 to 60 people through it at a time. And it's easy. We have recipes and an app and, you know, we're making sure they're getting half their body weight in water. They're exercising mm-hmm. every day, but light exercise when you're on a cleanse, like walking just to get the lymph moving, to get the toxins out. We're not doing anything crazy. That's probably my favorite that I think everybody can do. And if they don't have access, cause you have to get that through a practitioner, you can do like a whole 30 of just, you know, if it's not picked, killed or grown, d- grown, don't eat it kind of thing. Mm. Right. So it's coming from the earth, not very processed. Like we're not doing, you know, veggie patties that could have soy and these other things. And I'm like, we're eating the vegetables. Mm. Um, but I've, I've put people through, a 10 day master cleanse because, you know, we've done the other cleanses. We've kind of worked up to some of those bigger fasting issues. Mm -hmm. And I am overall a big fan of intermittent fasting or, you know, timed eating. If your blood sugar and things can handle it, if you're one of those Mm -hmm. people that have major blood sugar issues or you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, we may need to take a step back and fix that before we let you do any intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't crash, you don't end up on the floor. Right. Right. Yeah. And it totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I had to work my way up and people think I'm insane because I do all my um, cardio uh, fasted and, uh, and I'll, I'll run like a half marathon in the morning and then go eat. But, um, but you I couldn't do that at the it? beginning. Yeah. I couldn't do that at the beginning. Yeah. Sure. No, yeah. if you can handle it, it, the science does show that cardio on an empty stomach fasting definitely mm-hmm. is going to be the best for endurance and, you know, stamina and burning calories and all of that, mm-hmm. but not everybody can do that. And that's right. where we, that's where individualized personal medicine, seeing what their labs look like, tell us those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, like, yeah, just like anything, when it comes to treatment, it's definitely great to get, first of all, like really start understanding your body and, and getting with a practitioner to, to walk you through it mm. safely. I think that sometimes, um, you know, we look at like Dr. Google once again and say, oh, that might work for me, <laughs> not even yes. realizing. And I think the big danger in that is like, like I said before, like you don't really know, you know, you don't know what you don't know, especially when it comes to uh, medicine and fitness and all this stuff. So you might've been living this way all this time and just feeling this is just the way it is. I'm always tired. I, I'm not feeling good. I have respiratory issues. And for me, like when I started cutting out certain foods, I suddenly started feeling better. And it's like, you almost got to get to a point where you notice a difference. And I think that's the yeah. hardest thing with some of my, um, my peers. It's like, you, you look at them and you're like, Hey, you got to do a change. And if they don't see immediate results, they're like, no, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Yep. So Yeah. You don't know what you don't know, but the one thing I do preach to my patients, you know, when you're not right, Mm -hmm. you know, when something's off and that's the time to start digging and finding a patient, right? If you're looking at everybody running circles around you and you're barely getting out of bed and barely holding a job or whatever the case may be, you know, something's off. Mm -hmm. You may not know what and need help and guidance, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about inflammation at points. Do you like, that's the thing that I don't think we 
probably talk about enough when it just comes to how people feel. What it, can you explain to people what inflammation is and, you know, basic terms and, you know, what we can do to try to, you know, tone it down or get rid of it? Inflammation really is the root of all disease. That I can confidently say. The bigger question is what's causing the inflammation? That's where I think Western medicine a lot of times stops. So inflammation essentially is um, free radicals, toxins, anything that's aggravating the tissue. Mm. And what we need is more antioxidants. I call them little Pac-Mans and they go around and eat up the free radicals so the inflammation is flushed. Mm. But the problem is, you know, just going on an anti-inflammatory doesn't fix anything, right? It may be needed in an acute injury. I get that, but you have to find and fix the core root cause of that inflammation. And that could be an autoimmune disorder. It could be a toxic chemical. It could be a virus, a bacteria, a fungus. It could be all these underlying things that are keeping, it's keeping your body inflamed, which then keeps your immune system stressed, which then sets you up as an opportunistic host to get sick and get hit by other things. It also burns up your ATP and energy to manage all that inflammation, right? Because the body's smart. It's brilliant. It's going to try to protect your vital organs the best it can. So, you know, if there's toxins floating around the body or chemicals, the body will do brilliant things like encapsulate it mm-hmm. and try to keep it away from the heart and the lungs and the bloodstream and all these important things. Now we're looking at things like cysts, fibroids, tumors, mm-hmm. you know, maybe benign. Some people definitely have proven that, you know, some cancer is environmental. So these tumors can turn into rapidly growing cells like cancer because the body's trying to keep the inflammation away from all the stuff that we need to stay upright. And, and that's, that is homeostasis. So when we can find what's causing that inflammation, I had a patient who worked for General Motors and he had lead and mercury and arsenic in his mm. body. We, we found this through blood testing and he was starting to lose his vision. He was having neuropathy, fatigue, and he looked inflamed. You know, you look at somebody and they just look puffy. Mm-hmm. Like you look like you could have almost like taken a pin and popped him. He looked so swollen mm-hmm. in his whole body and it was these toxic chemicals and he had lots of cysts all over his body. And I look at that as, well, the body was trying to encapsulate these toxins and keep them out of the system. So he, so it doesn't kill him. It doesn't completely, you know, go into his heart, heart and lungs and things. Um, so inflammation can be deadly. It's like a fire burning in your system that the body is trying to put out and it, and it just can't without help, without finding or removing the toxin. I'm going to super simplify this. We figure out what the body has too much of, whether it is a vitamin or a nutrient, you can get toxicity of that, or it's too much of a hormone or an infection or a toxin. We remove it. We figure out what the body needs. Maybe it needs some support to get you detoxing better, some liver help. We give it what it needs. Maybe it's deficient in vitamin D, which is one of the most potent antioxidants in the body that will flush Mm -hmm. inflammation. We just give it what it needs, take away what it has excess of, and the body is designed to heal itself. That is the definition of homeostasis. That's what we want. Give it what it needs, take away what's too much, and let the body do its job. That's where the toxic world comes in. Stress comes in. Stress can inflame you because you pump cortisol. Cortisol is very inflaming. Mm. So those are all the things we look at with patients that are inflamed. And I I could tell you every patient that we run a bunch of different inflammatory markers. Every patient who comes in our office with symptoms that I'm mentioning here, they're inflamed. Mm. It's it's inflammation. And and some of it's self-induced, right? Like uh, I'm assuming like alcohol and some of the other things that we, we constantly like sure. if we're consuming that stuff. That's going to like exasperate that issue. Right. I mean, I think the, the most toxic 
drug, I'm going to call it a drug and mm. most detrimental and flaming drug is refined sugar mm. and alcohol breaks down to sugar, whatever alcohol you're drinking. Mm -hmm. um, and I think refined sugar, we're just not meant to have that in our body in a high dose. You know, we're supposed to have sugar from fruit and honey and things like that. But the actual refined white sugar, I think is, is the cause behind a lot of inflammation and most processed foods break down to that. So you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. Some of it's, we, we joke, it's not a joke, but some of my colleagues have said somebody's either misfortunate, right? They have a genetic ailment that they have cancer or they don't detox or they're misbehaving. They're mm. eating food that the body can't break down, like refined sugar, alcohol, things like that. Right. And, I, you know, that's a, a, most of our audience is military. So uh, we consume an exorbitant amount of alcohol, typically. <laughs> uh, we it take it a lot is of a stress reliever, right? right it right. is a stress reliever. Yeah, right. no, I get it. Yeah. Um, and it's inflaming and killing us. <laughs> right. And stressing right. our liver. And then we right. can't get rid of the other toxins. It's a toxin. Yeah. Right. And I remember uh, when, I was, yeah, when I remember when I was young, um, we were talking about, you know, when you're in the military, you do 20 years. I mean, you look young, but your body feels like it's just super old when you get like just, you know, you hit 40 and that's not old at all. And you're like, you feel like you're 60 a lot of times your body. And a lot of times we blame it on just the circumstances that we go through, the way we live, the way, you know, we deploy and all this stuff. But I think a lot of it, this is two things I know a lot of military people do. And I, I will not say that I am exempt from this also <laughs> to alcohol and energy drinks like nonstop because we go through we, we, our military folks will be on mid shift, switch to day shift, go back to swing shift. You know, like they'll be constantly shifting back and forth, going through time yes. zones. Uh, and, and it's like alcohol and, and energy drinks you'll see common. And I think that's like literally killing us like slowly. I, I agree. And yeah, first of all, I'm sorry, you guys have to do that. And thank you for doing that because somebody has to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. The other group of people, professions that I see do that are a lot of like first responders mm -hmm. and nurses, right? Like I pulled a double, I, you know, I work third shift, but I'm doing a first shift this week, same thing. And, and yeah, at that point you are now shutting down the adrenals because you are overriding your circadian rhythms with mm -hmm. stimulants and, and, alcohol is a relaxant. So yeah, it's hard on the body. And at the same time, you got to get your stuff done, right? Like mm -hmm. you, yeah. So I don't, I don't have a good answer for that of how not yeah. to do that in those crisis moments where you need to do that, except for in every other aspect, can you do things like eat cleaner, eat organic, try to get sleep when you can and try to counterbalance some of the eight because that's aging you right? right so maybe do things make sure your vitamin d levels are high make sure so here's a really good tip that i would probably give anybody who's doing a lot of alcohol or energy drinks because those have a lot of you know chemicals in them too some some are more natural is um I mentioned vitamin D is a high antioxidant it's the second most potent antioxidant in our body the first one is something called glutathione mm. And you can get that in IVs, vitamin places. They're popping up here in the States all over as like hangover remedies, but you can buy it in a liquid form, glutathione, G-L-U-T-A-T-H-I-O-N-E. It's the number one most potent antioxidant in the body that flushes toxins, free radicals, inflammation. Mm. And I get it in a liposomal form, meaning it's already um, broken down to a, a, a much easier, soluble, absorbable form. Mm -hmm. So um, trisomal liposomal, those are kind of interchangeable words. Liposomal means, you know, your body doesn't have to convert it to the, to the form that you need. Um, glutathione, I would say that would be a really good 
clean up the mess, kind of counterbalance the abuse mm-hmm. you're going to do on your on your body. I would say if somebody drinks more than two alcoholic alcoholic beverages a day, they should take five milliliters, which is just a little bit mm-hmm. um, of glutathione a day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and so it I'll- also just helps with cell rejuvenation, the whole thing. Right. Yeah, to all our listeners, make sure uh, you pick up. And you know, I'm proud of myself because I wrote that down when you when you said it, and I almost spelled it right. I was only off by like one letter. <laughs> I saw you reach for a pen. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna spell this one. Yeah, um, yeah, glutathione. I would say if you could pump your body full of that, it's actually anti-aging. You can get it in a cream form that I use mm. if somebody's thyroid is swollen or they were dealing with. Um, I'll have them put it on their back if we're dealing with like kidney pain. I use glutathione, solely glutathione. And now I will also preface it has a sulfur smell. So there's that. Mm. People don't love it. Mm. I use it as my face moisturizer because it's so antioxidant rich that it helps with wrinkles and, mm. you know, tightening of skin. And I, you know, don't ever see myself doing Botox. I don't want to put botulism in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to get rid of toxins. So <laughs> it's it's a big one that I put on my face every day for just anti-aging. So that's a trick, yeah. ladies. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. less expensive and better than all the, you know, department store anti-wrinkle stuff, less toxins. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to go pick some up today. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I think like I will have, you know, I, I, I enjoy a drink, you know, and I, I know it's not good for me, you know, so and it's like, you and I, you know, I, I really appreciate I've had guests on here that, you know, very uh, in, in the medical world or they've done holistic health and all these things. And they just tell you, don't do that. Well, like, well, that's not going to help. Like most not people life. are still just going to do it. Right? So That's not real life. Mm-hmm. This is what I tell patients that may have like a gluten intolerance. You know what? Sometimes you just have to eat the damn cake. Mm-hmm. And the next day we're not going to eat the cake and we're going to take our glutathione and our digestive enzymes and we're going to drink our water. And, you know, life happens. We're living life. So we can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not naive enough to know that people are going to walk out of my office and never have alcohol. I know they're going to have alcohol. Ooh, I have another alcohol trick. Um, activated charcoal as a binder. Mm. Now you can't do this every day because it will deplete your minerals and your nutrients. But if you know, and I'm not going to tell you how I know this, but if you (laughs) know you're going to go to a wedding, let's say, and you know, you're going to have two or three glasses of wine because it's your best friend's wedding. Mm -hmm. um, If I were you, (laughs) yes, I do this when I know I'm going to have a drink. um, I'll take two or three activated charcoal and you can get this at a health food store. You want to probably get it at a nicer health food store. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have two or three before I leave and I'll have two or three before I go to bed because, and you probably know this, um, if you have any medical background, background people know this when somebody has alcohol poisoning and they go to the hospital and they get their stomach pumped it's Mm. charcoal through that Mm. tube they're putting in to absorb the alcohol so these capsules will expand and absorb the alcohol that yes you'll still have the buzz in the moment yes you'll still feel good and you'll be social but when it hits your stomach if the charcoal's in there it's going to absorb it so you shouldn't have the same hangover Mm. that you would normally have yes your stool may be a little black because it's Mm. black charcoal's black um again it's not something if you're drinking every day you can do because it will bind to other things and deplete your minerals, but that's mm. a really good drinking tip. Mm. Um, if you know you're going to go binge drink, or if you're somebody who doesn't drink, like I don't often, I'll just have a couple of drinks here and there, special mm-hmm. occasions. I do that and I don't have to reap all the bad stuff of hangover so bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's some great glutathione tips. Glutathione right and culture. <laughs> or, or glutathione and, and charcoal. Go get those nice. to have your alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought up vitamin D and that's something that, you know, became very popular uh, when during this whole pandemic, people started talking about it a lot. And, um, and then I heard someone say, also that magnesium 
you know, you kind of, if you're just taking the vitamin D, but like getting some magnesium in there also taking a supplement will help um, that, I guess, maybe absorb the vitamin D. I'm not sure. Is that something that you find to be true? So actually, um, magnesium helps calcium absorb better. Mm, okay. You, you definitely, it helps D too, but if you're taking calcium, you really want to have to have magnesium with it. And the ratio has to be a certain ratio. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. What, what you need for vitamin D to absorb is vitamin K. Mm. So if your vitamin D is low and you need to start taking a supplement of vitamin D, you want to make sure it has a, a K in it because most they're going to be the right ratio if you're buying it together. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that versus trying to get a supplement of vitamin K to supplement your D. But the best thing you can do is get out in the sun for 10 to 15 right. minutes a day, unclothed as much as you can be. Mm-hmm. So I'm here in Texas. We wear a lot of tank tops and flip flops. I My skin sees a lot of sun, right? However, mm-hmm. my makeup has sunscreen in it, right? If I mm-hmm. were to wear long sleeves, I wouldn't be getting much sun. So I tell women, get in a sports bra and shorts and get out in your patio or backyard for 10 minutes a day. Men get in your shorts, no shirt. That's the thing. If, if you're going from your house to your office, to your air conditioned office or your heater, you know, you're fully clothed, you're not getting much vitamin D. So mm-hmm. the best way to get it is through the sun. Now, if you have darker pigmented skin, sometimes we have to just supplement because you're just not right. going to get enough if your levels are low. But I could not agree with you more about the excitement I had when some of these studies came out. And this is a perfect example of functional medicine at its best. Through COVID, some of these studies came out that said the people, two of them, mm-hmm. and you can look them up on, on PubMed, um, said that people who had a higher level of vitamin D fought COVID quicker, did not have lingering long COVID symptoms and recovered faster. Mm-hmm. Western medicine labs, if you go to LabCorp or Quest, these are labs here in, in the States, um, clinical pathology labs, the lab tells you 30 to 100 is the normal range for vitamin D. In functional medicine, we like to see it between 60 and and 100. Mm -hmm. These studies are saying, and I 100% agree, that 80 is a sweet spot Mm -hmm. of having your vitamin D at the level close to 80. Most, I would say 70 to 80, maybe even 85% of Americans are nowhere near that. We are indoors all the dang time in front of our computers. You know, here in Texas, a lot of people walk their dang dogs before the sun comes up. And when it goes Mm -hmm. down, because it gets even worse, it's early June and we've hit 100 degrees already. So a lot of people are avoiding the sun on purpose. So their immune systems are taking a hit because vitamin D helps with immune system and inflammation, all the stuff. It also helps with hormone production. Vitamin D is like super everything. It does. It hits almost every cell in the body. Yeah. Since we're talking about vitamins so much, it's so, you know, whenever I looked at a vitamin thing, whatever, you know, the label, it says uh, you should take this with food, right? Now I'm taking a vitamin right now that says you don't need to take it with food. I don't know exactly what the implications of that is, but the, I always just thought it's because, you know, your stomach doesn't, would not react very well to it sometimes. But I also read something recently that said it's because, or I might've heard it. I don't remember, but um, it was saying that it's because it doesn't allow your body to absorb the vitamins if you're not taking it with food. Is that true? So it depends on the, it depends on the vitamin for sure. Mm-hmm. Certain B vitamins will cause nausea. You're going to have to take them with food. Mm-hmm. Prenatal vitamins have so much packed in there. You're going to want a little bit of food. Um, so you're not nauseous and you don't vomit, vomit them back up. Mm-hmm. However, food and the vitamins will compete for absorption a little mm-hmm. bit in the stomach, right? So I think it depends on the vitamin. So vitamin D is fat soluble, meaning 
fat soluble, meaning it's absorbed in the liver, you can absolutely take that one on an, on an empty stomach Okay. because it's not actually being absorbed well in the stomach. So it depends on versus B vitamins. A lot of them are absorbed at certain parts in the GI tract where it can cause nausea if there's an empty stomach. So mm. it kind of depends. Okay. Yeah. That's because that's important to me because I'm like, do I try to remember to take my vitamin after I eat when I'm fasting until, you know, lunchtime and I'm like, uh, and then I forget. <laughs> so, yeah. So I would not take a multivitamin fasting because they have mm-hmm. so much in there. You probably feel a little bad. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Some people's stomachs just handle it better too. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Th- man, I'm, I'm learning so much from this conversation. I wrote that <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of stuff from this. I, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. And, you know, one last topic I wanted to bring up was you talked about, you talked about chronic fatigue and burnout. That is so common amongst, I think I saw Forbes, um, uh, just a survey result. And it said like the most stressful career field and it's enlisted military. Wow. Specifically, it said enlisted too. And I think I have my reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons. Um, We're constantly cutting back on manpower, on resources, but the mission has not really changed. Mm. We're constantly, so we're doing, you know, they they say, no, don't do more with less, but really do more with less, right? (laughs) So, so that happens quite often. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just a lot of stress. And then what happens is we also um, compete very hard for promotions. So it's like you always feel like you're falling behind. So that leads to, I think a lot of burnout, you know, fatigue, um, divorce rates are ridiculously high in the military. Mm. So, um, so I mean, that's, that's a killer in itself, isn't it? Like fatigue, burnout, just extreme stress. And we talked about how it does uh, impact inflammation, but in so many other ways, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I got to think, and I have not been in the military, so this is just an assumption, but I got to think that y'all are in fight or flight all the time. Whether you're, you know, deployed or actually, you know, dealing with fight or flight, actual fighting, right? I'm sure if you're asked to do tons of jobs and things are just coming at you and in, in, in the state of the world right now, I got to think that what's happening is you're burning up your adrenal glands. Mm. And, and those are our fight or flight receptors. They pump out adrenaline and cortisol, like I mentioned but they're designed to be in fight or flight for seconds, right? Like mm-hmm. running from a tiger or a bear, and then you come back to normal versus being in it for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Waiting for the next shoe to drop, you know, what's going to happen kind of thing. That's probably a big part of it, just the stress, but also kind of how you mentioned, you know, hours and shifts and things change so much. We're not meant to do that. We're not Mm -hmm. meant to be third shift, second shift. We are den animals. We should rise with the sun and, and go to bed when it sets kind of thing. That's our normal rhythm. And if you're having to do caffeine and energy drinks to stay awake for 24, 36, 48 hours, that type of thing, that's going to burn you up that's going to burn out the adrenal glands really fast. And the other thing that the adrenal glands really are antagonistic or inversely proportionate to the thyroid. So if the adrenals are in fight or flight and stressed out, the thyroid comes in and goes, slow it down, sister, you're going to have a heart attack. You can't stay on adrenaline. So now we're dealing with, you know, thyroid issues a lot or endocrine hormone issues in general. And that's where we probably see people age. Mm. You know, adrenals and thyroid are very about anti-aging and keeping our hormone levels up and our energy up and our metabolism up. And I mean, I think a perfect example of this is, um, and I've said this to some patients is watching a president at the end of their term, mm-hmm. yeah. like watching them age. I can't, you know, they, yeah, 
Yeah. They look like they've aged 25 years in four or eight sometimes. That's, that's a perfect example of we are not meant to spend eight years in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing pre- uh, pictures of President Obama like at the That's beginning. That's who I was thinking and of. And man, at the end, he had aged significantly. And yeah, when I'm so I, I've hit, um, I'm at forty now, and I and I think about oftentimes like okay, longevity, right? And trying to be not just yeah. live longer, but also like be effective, like not be able to just be yeah. being able to walk and do all those quality. things. Quality, uh, right? Quality of life is just yeah. so important. So that's the reason why I've been looking at more of these things and listening to people, amazing people like you and learning, you know, because um, yeah, that's like my investment now is trying to figure out how am I going to be, you know, 60 something years old and being able to still run and do those things that I love to do. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that fatigue and burn out it's just so common like there's it's very often where a military member will soon after they retire they, they end up passing away like not even that long and we retire at 20 to 30 years so most wow. of us are retiring at 40 or 50 years old and that wow. is still very young and a lot of people end up passing away and i think it's just because a lot of the inflammation you know that we get and that we're not approaching it correctly we're not looking at holistically so mm-hmm. i am so grateful for some of the work that you do Oh, thank you. Gosh, I feel like I could talk about this for hours of, well, you could do this and you could do this, but yeah, yeah getting into all the biohacks and, and things like that is probably mm-hmm. going to be the best bet to reversing age, aging the best you can. And glutathione. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm definitely getting that on the list. And uh, and I assume sauna and those things are just great things for, for our body as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we got to have you back on again. I, I got so many to. more questions. <laughs> yeah. Just email me. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. I think you're going to become the new uh, Lama Lounge doctor <laughs> that, <laughs> that we go to for, for all it. of our advice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, man. So how do we find out more about your work? If some, you know, one of our listeners just wants to learn more about you. Yeah. So um, I have a clinic in Austin, but because of telehealth, we can, we can treat people all over, which is great. Just sometimes out of the country, getting labs run is a little tricky. So anywhere in the U S and Canada is easy. Austin holistic doctor is our main website, Austin holistic dr.com. And then I have a a personal website of Dr. Tanisha wards, T E N E S H A W A R D S. Both the doctors are dr. So dr. Tanisha wards.com. All right. So we'll definitely get those added to our show notes. Yeah, Um, yeah, this is just this is great. I I, I had high expectations of this conversation. I knew I'd learn a lot and exceeded all of them. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So before we let you go, we got to hit you what we call the life learning and leadership rapid fire. Just four questions. Yeah. (laughs) However you want to interpret the question, however you'd like to answer it. Sound good? I'm in. All right. The first question, what is something you recently learned that you did not know before? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say something I recently learned about myself that I did not know. I was with some friends and realized that I really like to um, make people laugh. So I'm going to start taking improv comedy classes. Oh, wow. That is something that's brand new. Just happened a couple days ago. So that's why that popped in my head. I did not know that I have a passion for that. So stay tuned, Austin, Texas. All right. (laughs) I I think, um, I think was it Joe Rogan's is going to open up a comedy place in Austin. I think, I think, I think he is. Yes. That's pretty cool. I'm going to look that up, but there's some classes at an improv theater here that I, Mm I'm going to yeah. take. <laughs> yeah. That's therapy for me. Just watching stand-up comedy is, is great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So question number two, if you could only do one specific workout, 
like a particular lift, a movement, you know, just one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? I would say walk. Mm. It helps the lymph. It helps cardio. It builds muscle. I would say just walking, but walking, you know, rapidly 30, 40 minutes to really mm. get the lymph moving. So mm-hmm. mall walking, I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah walking, <laughs> if there was just one, I would walk. Yeah. Yeah. I think walking is just so great. Like uh, my wife and I try to find opportunities to walk all the time. And then I started putting a, a rucksack on just a, a go ruck pack to add some mm. weight to it. And yeah, it's just, it's been great. My husband does that because he hunts. He'll put 50, yeah. 60 pounds on his yeah. back and just go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like a pack out of elk or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. what he's training yeah. for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, question number three, what is a recent book, article, or podcast that you re- recently listened to and then you got value from? Hmm. Hmm. That is a tough one. You know, I, um, hmm. That's a really, really good one. I own the clinic um, here. And for any entrepreneur in leadership, the e-myth, mm. entrepreneurial's myth, um, there's an e-myth, which is kind of old, probably 20 years old. And then there's the e-myth revisited, which is kind of an updated. I think that's a really good, I've, I I probably cite that book in my business weekly. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. It's not, so it's not recent, but I have yeah. recently reread it. Okay. Yeah. We'll add that to the uh, show notes as well. Cause yeah, we've always find value. I, I get a lot of great books from, from these conversations. So I'll check that one out as well. All right. Final question. And this is the deep question of the day at the Lama lounge. We're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Dr. Wards find her harmony between life learning and leadership? Ooh, I like to just really be goofy and have fun and play with my seven-year-old daughter. We have Mm. a lot of family dance parties. We've learned almost all the fun TikTok dances together. Um, I think dancing, dance parties. My husband and I, if if we're having a bad day, we'll just crank up some 90s hip hop and dance it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 90s hip hop's the best too. 90s 90s music in general. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. Yeah. I'm actually um so my wife, she's big into salsa and I am not. So uh, when we get to DC, I'm gonna take some classes so that we can do that together because that's something she's passionate about. So Oh, yeah. you're a good yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I told her it's gonna get ugly. It's gonna get ugly before it gets good. But <laughs> you know what? As a it. woman and a wife, I think she's just gonna be so happy that you yeah. are even a tempting. That is awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on again. This is just such a great conversation. Um, Yeah, I just love it. And we definitely got to have you on. I'm going to reach out in a couple of weeks to to have you back on again, because I already have a list of things I want to talk to you about again. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you to our show sponsor, Blazing Star Barbecue, Mike Starr out there bringing the flavors from his world travels to your backyard. Check out his Reaper Rub. It's my favorite at BlazingStarBarbecue.com. And to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy, and just keep growing. Until next time, Llama's out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.